0: I like that little audio bit there that I've got. That's actually taken from an album I never, ever released. Uh, I was just telling Dave Drift. off air D, isn't it? <laughs> that I recorded an album way back when, <laughs> sent out links to it to about 200 people, thought, hey, nobody's gotten back to me, I must totally suck, and then found out a year later I sent out a dead link, and I never followed things up, but yeah, that was some of my music. <sighs> Good morning, folks. I the coffee started the, uh, the drop D. It was in drop D. <laughs> Who's that talking? There's somebody out there. Yes. there must be a cool cat outside somewhere there. I wish they'd ring the doorbell. Who's that? Hello. It's Dave Kilminster. Hey Dave.
1: <laughs> Good evening. Good morning, in fact. Now, Dave, yeah. as I
0: was throwing over to my Facebook group, I mentioned that you are in Mexico City. What yes. the hell are you doing in Mexico City, man?
1: It's a very, very good question. Um, towards the end of the last Roger Waters tour, I had a bit of a nasty accident. I broke three of the metatarsals in my left foot and fractured my right ankle. So I finished the tour in on a wheelchair. Um, I think we did the last nine shows on, in a wheelchair, um, which is a little frustrating. Wow! But it obviously won't once we'd finished I'm in Mexico City in in a wheelchair and everyone's going right yeah see you bye so um, so I stayed here for a while uh, until I could walk again then I started going for physio then I met a girl and um, then I sold my house in England so I've kind of been spending most of my time here I mean the weather's nicer for, for a start so um, yeah, I'm probably heading back to England soon because I need to finish my album, which is another—that's another story. But yeah, so spending a long, long time here. Cool. For the it's, last three years.
0: Yeah, it's not the kind of place that it's like that you'd spring to mind. Hey, I'm going to relocate. I know Mexico City. Not that I've ever been there. It's probably a lovely place, and that's most probably why you, you've chosen to stay there. I, I take it.
1: Well, it, it's my girlfriend's Mexican, so it's kind of makes sense, really. Um, but we'll be hopefully heading back to England at some point in the near future. Nice. I, said, I have lots of work to do once I get back. Cool. Um, yeah, but this is, there's, there's definitely worse places to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Dave, as I said, I know that you're the um, lead guitarist for the Roger Water Group, and I'm sure you've done a lot of other things over the years as well. That's a really cool gig to have. That is a seriously cool gig to have. Oh, it's
1: It's, a, it's amazing. It's totally amazing. I I joined, um, wow, 15 years ago, just over 15 years ago, was the first tour I ever did with Roger, which was the Dark Side of the Moon tour, 2006 to 2008. And then we did the war tour. So um, we've been in Australia a few times, actually.
0: I do Um, remember you were here not that long ago. Well, I say that it was a couple of years back.
1: um, Yes, it was early 2018,
0: I, I, I did see some people um, post some videos from your show at uh Brisbane Entertainment Centre and it looked amazing.
1: Okay. Yeah, no it was a, it was a cool show. We finished up in Perth. Um which was lovely and as I'm as we finished the the last gig I'm checking the weather reports for going back to England and there was this huge storm called the beast from the east. Um it was all going all over Europe and I thought, you know what, I'm going to stay in Perth. So I stayed there for a few weeks. Um, and not only that, but uh, I noticed that Queen, who were probably my favorite band ever, um, they were due to play the same venue that we just played. They were playing there the next week, so uh, I went along and had a chat with Brian again. So that was really cool. Nice, nice. So you yes. you know Brian then? Yes. Well, no, not well, but yeah, I've met him a few times. And- yeah, He's yeah. a lovely chap. I mean, he's just, I mean, Queen were the reason, Queen are the reason that I do what I do, to be honest. Wow. This, um, you know, I heard Bohemian Rhapsody in uh, 1975, and at the time it just encapsulated everything that I was into. Um, I was playing piano, I, this was before I even played guitar, I was playing piano, I was singing in a barbershop quartet at school, and um, and I was listening to rock music, I'd go around to my friends after school sometimes and he played Black Sabbath and stayed at school, Pat Travers, whatever. And this song just seemed to encapsulate everything that I loved in, in one masterpiece. Really. I mean, the solo is just, it's probably the best guitar solo for a, for a pop song, probably the best guitar solo ever, maybe. I don't know. It's just, um, there's something about that whole, that whole song, the video, it was magical. So um, I asked my mother for the album for Christmas and uh, <clears throat> that was the beginning of my musical journey, I guess. Well, wow. You know, the, the rock end of it anyway, the guitar playing end of it. Yeah. So, yeah, big fan. So awesome. when, you, when you meet someone like that, it's like, oh my god, you're Brian May. This is this is a big deal.
0: Cool, cool. You know, I, I've um, I've never met Brian, but I know several people that, that know him, and they all say the same thing that he's just a, a lovely guy. Um, it yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of people I'm friends with through Facebook and through just the the whole YouTube thing that. I've played in bands with him and stuff. One of them, Jamie Humphreys is one of them. I know you've played with Jamie as well.
1: I have. Yeah, yes, I've yeah. known Jamie for many years, um, almost thirty years, maybe. Yeah. Actually. yeah, I knew him when he had hair. He <laughs> had really long blonde hair. I mean, many... <laughs> he won't mind me saying that. I, I've but, seen um, photos. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's when I first met him. Probably early, early nineties, early to mid nineties, I guess. In fact, he's the guy that's produ- producing my album, or is, is going to mix my album uh, later this year. Nice. Although it's probably going to be early next year now, because uh, we're still stuck in Mexico. <laughs> but Yep, yep. Yes. No, Jamie's a lovely chap. And obviously, he's, um, yeah, he, he got to to play, play with Brian a few times. Um, in fact, we used to joke, because he's a huge Pink Floyd fan, and I'm a huge Queen fan, so we used to sort of joke that we've got each other's gigs. Oh, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know,
0: such as life. Such as life. I'm, I'm life. not
1: complaining. Yeah. As, as you said, the the Roger Show is just one of the best things that could could happen yeah. to anyone. Basically, it's just yeah. I, can, I can't imagine a bigger, better show for me to do. Um, I still pinch myself sometimes. It's uh, yeah. Awesome,
0: weird. awesome. Life so, is weird. So you were saying that um, Bohemian Rhapsody pricked your ears up and started the, the rock and roll journey. Did you yeah. start playing I mean, guitar was, soon after that?
1: Yes, probably five months after. Um, I still wanted to play piano. I was still trying to be Keith Emerson. Um, but uh, we didn't have a piano at home and it was just a constant source of frustration. I could hear music in my head and I just wanted to play something, anything. So the guitar was almost like, oh, just let's just get a guitar because it's easy and it's portable. So I ended up getting a, a classical guitar from from school and just uh, teaching myself from with that. Um, but then again, I was still, you know, in my head, I was still listening to classical music, progressive music. Um, and the radio in the 70s was just amazing. You know, just everything from Michael Jackson to... Black Sabbath, from Bob Marley to the Eagles to, you know, Heatwave, um, great disco band, um, just everything. They would play everything in one radio, uh, one two-hour radio set. It's just, um, and I loved it all. I really did. I, th- I think it's kind of a shame nowadays that you have specific radio stations, like, um Classical stations or jazz stations, you know, jazz FM, country stations, whatever. It's, like, it's all music. Just put it all on the same program. You know, I think it just helps to broaden the mind, really. Well, that's you know, my
0: I, I, t- I totally agree. Like when I started playing guitar, and that, I was more late '80s picking it up, and that was my main source of of inspiration was. Um, the radio because there was actually guitar music on the radio unlike today uh, and yes. and it was all so varied and, uh, mm. and and the stuff that they were playing on the radio I found was a bit more achievable more melodic kind of things as opposed to the, the shred stuff that was out there that was indecipherable yeah. for me what the hell was going on at the time but yeah I agree that uh, the yes. radio was a big one so yeah. what was what was your first electric yeah, so guitar?
1: My first electric. Mm. Ooh, that was a. Um, it was a, a copy, obviously of a. It was a. It was a Shaftesbury copy of an SG. And um, yes, you probably never heard of it. They obviously died to death. Um, <laughs> and then shortly after that, I traded tried that in for a Guild. Then I had an Ibanez. Then I started investigating, because I I knew what I wanted, but no one was making a guitar that I liked. You know, I knew I, I wanted the really high frets, and I love the V-shaped neck. I don't like the big C shapes because I've got fairly small hands, so the V is more comfortable to my hands. Um, so I, I just embarked on this journey of of getting people to make custom guitars for me until I kind of came across um, Sir in the last sort of ooh, ten years, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Sir, guitars have been making making. Uh, making these things for me. In fact, I have one here. Let me show you. Cool. Let's have a look. This is the latest one. Um, it's essentially Telecaster. Telecaster body, obviously. Three singles, tremolo, um, nice high frets, swamp ash body, and it's been electrocuted. Uh-huh. So it's actually a, a natural finish. Where they sort of plug it into the mains, like uh, Frankenstein's monster, and then uh, it creates all this all this lightning effect, uh, which actually burns into the body. As you can feel it, it's got a kind of got a grooves I, to it. It's amazing.
0: I've seen those. Yeah, that's very cool. That's cool. And, and, and it's funny, mate. Um, I've actually got somebody has asked, hey, Dave, I noticed your guitars are Telecaster style but with three pickups and a Strat bridge. Do you mind telling us yes. a bit about yes.
1: it? Uh, sure. I just never got on with Strat-shaped bodies. They just feel too big for me. Really? Um, and they don't feel like they even hang in the right place, which I think is to do with the top horn um, where the Strat... Like everything's kind of displaced over to the left, um, and I, yeah, and I used to do this eight-fingered stuff as well, and I found the top horn also interfered with getting my right hand onto the onto the fretboard. So one day I was in a music shop and I saw this pink paisley Telecaster on the wall, and I just thought that looks so cool. It's just second-hand guitar. And I picked it up, and there was just something about it. It had a resonance to it, it had a ring to it, and uh, I just fell in love with it and bought it. And ever since then, which is probably mid nineties, pretty much all my custom-made guitars are, are Telecaster-shaped. Just they just fit my body better, but cool. I also like the versatility of the pickup. Um, you know, I mean Telecasters. I I have a an old Gibson that's Gibson. Say that again. I have an old Fender telecaster from nineteen seventy eight which has obviously got stock pickups. So if I need to do some country playing or I did a reggae tune on my new album and I just thought, yes, it's gotta be the telecaster you know. But in general I just like a few more options, so that's why um I don't think the body shape makes that much difference in something like that, so it's essentially a, a strat Tele hybrid, which just makes sure. my body better.
0: Yep. Nice. You know, I've, I've noticed that you um, played a Richie yeah. Cotson Stratocaster, uh, so, sorry, uh, Telecasters as well, and I had one of those which I sold recently, kind of yes. regret selling that. They're beautiful tellies, aren't they?
1: Mm, yes. Yeah, it was actually one of Richie's, well, two of Richie's, I, I borrowed them for the tour because... When I got the job with Roger, I was I was broke, basically. <laughs> I was playing; I'd been playing with you know fairly famous artists, but it just it wasn't paying any money. So, um, so I get this audition for for Roger, and I'm thinking I need some decent I need some decent gear. This is ridiculous. So um, Richie had two two of his telecasters. In England, for when he he came to uh, to do clinics or whatever, so I just took those out for a couple of years.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. His, yeah. his
1: personal ones, huh? I, the only thing I did was change the pickups. Up. Yes, yes, yes. He's got them back now, obviously. But yeah, um, I'm sure he's got millions of, of guitars. The only thing I did is is I changed the pickups. I didn't like the 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 pickups that, that it came with, but. Um Again, I'm just really fussy. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've kind of got a really good idea of what I like and what I don't like. So. Yeah. yeah, and that's funny. We all know but what these, we uh, like. But the sur things are amazing. I'm, I'm just. And what pickups have you got in the sur? Yeah. What, what did but you arrive it's, at? It's impossible. Up, uh, they're actually they're actually sur pickups. Um, they're called uh, ML Mike Lando pickups. Nice. And um, they are gorgeous yeah, really, really nice. What do you like and about I've them? I've got those singles in, in pretty much all my I like that they're they're kind of me- medium app, but I don't like the loud pickups, but I like them to pick up everything that I'm doing, you know, so they're very dynamic. They've got all the, the highs and the lows and everything in between, um, but just really clean nice so I, I, I never like these you know because the, they used to make these really loud pickups um, what was the Seymour Duncan one the Invader yeah 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 I've had there an Invader screws on it and yeah, every time you sort of yeah <laughs> and you take the strings down on the Treblor and all the the strings just stick <laughs> to the pickup and you can't get them back off again because it was just so powerful but I, I yeah I don't I don't like that I like um Medium output pickups, and I like all the all the uh, overdrive to come from the amp itself rather than uh, rather than the guitar. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, they're great. I, I tried a whole bunch of singles, um, and and so sort of make great pickups anyway. But these these ones, I must have spent about six hours deciding. But these these were definitely my favourites. So. Cool. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, you know. I'll will spend that time deciding which ones I want, and then then I don't have to think about it ever again. So it's perfect.
0: <laughs> nice. Find something you like, stick to it. It's funny. I used to I think, think it was it was totally. all about the. I used to love. Um, Sorry, you go. About the what? I um. I used no, to th- I, we've I'm got a fair bit of delay going on, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> we have got that thing. Well, we've so got we've got we got a little bit of delay. Yeah. Yeah. Delay. Yeah, delay yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, can you? It's yeah. a little bit, little bit jumpy. The picture that I've got of you uh, since we started streaming. Are you able to log out and log back sure. in? Uh, and I'll just see if that fixes things up. Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. if that's handy for you. And I'll just see if that, if that fixes things. This seems to happen now and then. I'm not sure if it's my internet connection here. I'm hoping it's not, but. Dave will come back in just a second and hopefully it'll be a bit smoother and here he is once again hello Dave oh, Huh? that's better is that's that better? better it is fantastic yeah 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 so if that happens right. again I'll, I'll just get you to do that yeah uh, it please might do. Refresh we, we
1: had some pro- problems with um, the internet actually in in the whole country so <laughs> that was earlier today I thought oh this is perfect perfect timing um but yeah, if, if this is working now, I'm very happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good now. It, yeah. So you mentioned yeah. um, auditioning for Roger. How does one audition for Roger Waters?
1: Um, That's a very good question. Yeah, what, what was the process? I, uh, I initially had a conversation with Snowy White, who put me in contact with Andy Fairweather, who was the other um, rhythm guitarist on the Dark Side Tour. And he said, you know, they were looking for something very specific. They wanted someone that could play and sing like Dave Gilmour. And I thought I don't know if I can sing like that. I mean I could take up smoking maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. But so basically I I they asked me t- for some specific songs to record. So I, w- I spent the day in the studio just recording some bits. I I found a a dodgy backing track for comfortably Now. I put the solo down. Um, I did some stuff from money, uh, breathe, wish you were here. I think that was it. And then I I actually dropped it off to Andy because I thought it'd be nice to to meet him. I I feel much better people when i can see them I, i've got a real aversion to the phone calls to speaking to people on the phone if i can't see them it's just it feels really weird yeah right yep um so i went down there i dropped the the cd off he said look i'm not going to play it while you're here but just yeah i'll take i'll give it a lesson let you know whatever so i get get in the car i'm driving back home and he phones me up and he said, this is amazing, <laughs> we love this. Oh, cool. So hopefully we're just going to like it too. So, yeah, so that really helped. Um, but then I had an actual audition, which was some ungodly hour of the morning in London. So I drove down there in... Um, I actually borrowed a car, because my car at the time was just very, very embarrassing. Um, so I borrowed someone's car to, to go down there. And... I think they'd been auditioning for quite a while, you know, they they were getting to the end of their yeah, basically, they, in fact, the guy that, uh, they auditioned after me is a guitarist called Andy Latimer, who used to play in Camel, in fact he still does play in Camel, I believe. Yeah, he must do, I, I saw him a couple of couple of years ago. <laughs> um, they'd actually flown him out from LA to to London for the audition, so well. they were like, we, we definitely need a guitarist, but really soon we've got these gigs coming up. So I was him before before Andy, and um, I mean for me it was a total disaster. I mean just everything went wrong. Really? My my amp wasn't working. My acoustic guitar wasn't producing any sound through the PA. I'd forgotten my bottleneck because I obviously needed the bottleneck for Wish You Were Here. Um, probably the worst thing actually was that um, okay they'd asked me to to play and sing like Gilmore, but because I wasn't a huge Floyd fan, I didn't actually know what he sang. So um, that, was the, that was the beginning of the end for me. We, we, um, Roger looked at me and said, oh, we're gonna just, just try money. I'm like, okay. And I, I felt quite confident, I was like, okay, do you want me to do the the, uh, the, you know, little funky thing, or do you want yep. me to do the riff, or the, uh, the thing with the tremolo one?" He said, oh, I, I don't care, you're right on the lyrics. I'm like, oh, you want me to sing this? Oh, so magically some lyrics appeared on a stand in front of me. There's the microphone and there's Roger standing like two feet away. And um, I mean, it's not a difficult, it's a slightly odd, odd time signature. It's not a difficult thing to play, but obviously if you're going to play and sing it, you want to kind of maybe go through it once or twice before. Yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, so that was kind of interesting. And then obviously all my, my confidence has just gone out the window and as I said, I plugged in the acoustic and the acoustic wasn't working and the amp stopped working. And we went into, um, oh, I don't know, it's just a whole litany of uh, disasters. And I, I walked out of there thinking, you've just blown the biggest gig of your life, Dave. You idiot. Um, and then they, coughed, they called me up the next morning and said, um, yeah, um, Roger would like to offer you the key. Wow! Really? Yeah. So amazing. I have no idea what they saw in me. I, th- I think. Um, I think what so what happened is what happened on my driving test, where um, I was driving my own car, and I felt pretty confident. And there was this um, this gap they have these barriers like six foot six gap or whatever and obviously you're supposed to slow down because it was my car I just went through it 30 as normal I just, and I thought oh, I should have slowed down they're going to fail me so then I just kind of completely relaxed and I was just myself so I think by the end of the audition I just played something like the, the money so I just kind of tore into it and um, yeah I think they liked me I think maybe they liked me because I reminded them of their previous guitarist as well. Okay. Because he had... um, I can't even remember his name. I'm so sorry. But, you know, he had the sort of necklaces and the black shirt and long hair, black curly hair, whatever. Um, Oh, isn't that embarrassing? So you think Image had a
0: a bit to do with it then, huh?
1: Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Roger wanted someone that's actually you know, when it's your solo, you go out and you play your solo and it doesn't really want anyone timid You know, yep. to, to stand there gazing at your shoes or whatever, you know, when, yep. you, when it's your part, you go in the spotlight and you do your thing. Yeah. So, maybe that's what they liked. I have no idea, actually. I've never dared ask them. I still can't believe they offered me the job. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great feeling when you think you've totally blown something and, and you, you walk away um, dejected yeah. and then someone goes, you're hired, you, and,
1: what? Really? <laughs> I didn't just completely eat shit then? Yeah. yeah. I, I just, yeah. No, seriously. I, I thought it was the worst. I mean, I was, I thought I was prepared, but I was so hopelessly un, unprepared. And, and and as I said, not being a Clint Floyd fan, I just didn't really, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get what I was supposed to be doing. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. And, really amazing. Cool.
0: Your picture is frozen a little bit on me at the moment. That's not okay. the most... Yeah, yeah. I can still hear you fine, though. That That's okay. That's okay. I'll not. keep keep chatting away. You've got me in the little corner I'm there. I'm pulling
1: to, a stupid face, am I? You kind of are. In. You, you kind of frozen. are. <laughs> <laughs> when
0: you I, get frozen
1: in, you pulling a yeah, stupid face. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a
0: ripper, mate. But <laughs> that's okay. I,
1: I push on. <laughs> Oh, man, do you want me to restart again? No,
0: well, if it doesn't Sorry. come good in 30 seconds, well, I'll try. Um, you know right. what? No, no, quickly, quickly try it again, mate, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll see you in a 2nd this. Go.
1: All right.
0: That was a ripper face he was stuck on. I'm just going to take a chance, the opportunity, while Dave's phoning back in, just to let everybody know, if you are more inclined to uh, listen to the podcasts, that I am available on all the podcast sites as audio-only versions, Uh, and I like it, subscribe, goes a long way. Let's check out if Dave is with us. There we go. He's not frozen. I'm back. I'm back.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, it was a ripper face you were stuck on. Yeah. No, I think I think the guy's come off his bike or something. I think I think the the Wi-Fi is is powered by someone on a little pushback. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I kind <laughs> okay. of, yeah. i have had to cha- change the uh, change the chain or something. No well, that's okay.
0: We 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 know now that if that happens, we can just log out and log yeah, back yeah, in again.
1: And that's, that's nice and easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <How> embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Someone's just said Australia and ex- and Mexico equally bad internet. Yeah. That's. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Dave, when you, when you were learning, when, once you got the gig, what was your process yeah. in actually learning to, to nail the parts? And while you start on, on telling me that, I'm going to go quickly to the bathroom. So are you good to just talk for 30 seconds while I... <laughs> sure well you're, you're s- not gonna be able to hear me no that's okay but it'll be the quickest ever mate yeah. <laughs> normally when i'm wearing headphones i, I can go away and, and hear it but um yeah I'll, i might have to go back and, and actually listen to what your answer was i can't stand watching myself i just let people know that when they go oh that bit where you were talking blah 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 it's like really oh, I'm, I'm yeah you sh- <laughs> so totally if you can explain your learning process for the gig i will be back Wait. in 30 seconds
1: and I'll, I'll talk to Buckethead in the background. Okay, go Bucket. Hey, hey, Mr. Buckethead, how are you doing? You? Uh, <laughs> 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 my process, well, my initial process was just playing the music in the car because I wasn't that familiar with it, unfortunately. Um, and as I'm playing it in the car, I'm memorising. The songs memorizing the lyrics, memorizing the arrangements and i 've got i haven 't got perfect pitch, but i 've got a pretty good ear so I can kind of work out most of what 's happening harmonically before I even pick up a guitar so once I felt like I knew the material fairly well, I sat down and uh, transcribed everything, just wrote all the guitar parts down. Um, What's that? <laughs> All right. Oh. Yes. So, so briefly, I was just driving around listening to the music. You, you, you appear to have a uh, a, sp- a chicken. I was going to use the... Uh, oh. I was going to... So, bu-
0: Buckethead, <laughs> Buckethead can't talk back there, so he has a communication device. and Okay. He says you did good.
1: Oh, well, thank
0: you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I, I must apologize. That. I this um, I do have like three coffees before I begin the podcast. Otherwise... I uh, can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you've got a very sleepy, dozy me. Yeah.
1: No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I just try music like I like I used to do. I I don't oh you don't know you don't actually know anything about me. So um, I used to write for um, a magazine called Guitar Techniques. Oh cool. Um, I did over I did over two hundred Trans- transcriptions, articles, lessons, whatever, and I also had a column in um, Guitarist for a while, and also Total Guitar. So I'm kind of Quite quick at writing stuff down, basically, um, and also not only writing it, but once I've written it, I can just read it. Because the thing with the gig, I wasn't actually sure who was going to play what solo or what rhythm part, so I just wrote everything out, um, and then as w- as we're rehearsing, uh, we just kind of decide between ourselves who's who's going to play um, who's going to play which solos. Um, I mean, at, at, at the time, I remember Snowy and uh, Andy just wanted to give everything to me. I I don't know why, but I guess they figured you actually get the same money whether you uh, whether you have the high-pressure spot or whether you're just <laughs> in the background playing rhythms. Sure, sure, yeah. And then Roger would come over and say, and, uh, Andy, you're not playing anything on this. Why don't you do the solo and... Yes, yeah, snowy. Maybe you should uh, take over on this uh, thing. So that's yeah. That's basically how we kind of um, dished out the parts. But I, I, you know, beforehand I just wrote everything out. I just wanted to be as as prepared as possible. Cool. Cool. Especially after my nightmare audition. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> is there what? What's your favourite thing to to play with, Roger? Like, is there a special moment where you get to step out front? That you really like your is frozen again, but I'm just going to go with it, mate. I, I can oh hear you. My God, seriously? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I, I, I can still hear you, and or... and the frozen picture isn't as bad this time, so. Okay. <laughs> uh, we we can try a reset in a few minutes, but just keep right. the flow of things, mate. Um, yeah. Is sure. there a standout uh, part of the show for you where you go, yeah, this is my my moment to
1: shine? Um, there's actually quite a few. Nice. It's um, quite quite a few big. Floyd solos. I mean, you've got the the big solo in time. Um, Wish You Were Here, I'm doing all the bottleneck stuff. Um, I think my favorite things are songs like Dogs, though. Um, Dogs has three guitar solos. Cool. Um, A whole bunch of uh, harmony parts. It's um, interesting tuning. Don't ask me what the tuning is, because I can't remember now, but it's an interesting tuning. (laughs) And, um, yeah, actually I have no idea. Wow, that's quite scary. But one of the the middle solo is the one where everything kind of just drops out. And, um, yeah, there's lots of space. So I love that. That's uh, that's probably one of my favorite bits. Um, maybe the, the solo in Money as well. Because, again, that's kind of three sections, but I play... All of them. I play the, the middle one when everyone else drops out. It's, my favourite is when everyone drops out. And it's just me. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> then you can really feel it. You can play a note. And you can kind of hear it. Hear it coming off the back wall, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is uh, life is cool. Nice, <laughs> nice.
0: You yeah, know, I I can relate. You were talking about Brian May uh, being a big influence in the early days, and when I was playing with the Queen show, I wasn't that big a. Um, a Queen fan, uh so it was ironic that I, I got the gig as well. But yeah, okay. playing that solo and standing on the you know, PA stacks and everything was it was quite a moment. Yes. Dave, I, yeah. I'm I'm gonna get you to quickly log out and log back in again and see if we get that picture going. And then I'm just gonna ask you about some of the gear you used to recreate uh Dave Gilmore tones.
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah? I'll be back in a sec. Sure.
0: Sorry, folks. This is why you tune into a live stream to catch a train wreck. And I'm thinking this isn't really a train wreck. This is going quite well. It's just that the picture keeps freezing up on us. And that's what happens when you're in Australia and Mexico and it's a bit of a on the whim of the internet. But Dave's back and he's moving again. (laughs) So, Dave, I, I said... Uh, some of the gear that you're using, we've talked about your telecasters just to yes. uh, recreate some of the, the Gilmore Tones because we all know he's got a shitload of gear that he's got he, he in his racks yes. and, and it's yeah. quite well documented. There's a lot of great websites out there that go right into what he uses yes. for particular areas. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Um, let's... I never got got into it heavily. Um I mean, I know he uses big muffs and things like that. I've never got on with a big muff, so I don't use it. Um, what I'd rather do is focus on trying to get the solos as close as possible, you know, with all the little bends and nuances and gliss. And, you know, if I play, I figure if I play them as close as possible, then it's going to sound, it's going to keep Floyd fans happy, hopefully. Um, I used this example the other day because probably the the most famous Floyd song in in England is uh, Another Brick in the Wall. Yep. And on that guitar solo, he's playing a Les Paul and it's got um, P90s in it and he's not even using his rack gear or amps, it's just going straight into the desk. Now, it still sounds like a Dave Gilmore solo. Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite things he's ever done. It sounds great. It really does. But I don't think Pink Floyd fans listen to that and thought, oh, wow, who's, who's that playing a Les Paul on a, on a Pink Floyd record? No, it's just, it's just, you know, the gear is important, but I think people make it a lot more important than it actually is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I tried, to, for playing-wise, I tried to get as close as possible. With to the actual notes. Um, for gear, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a nightmare. We, came out, um, we were coming out to doing the wall tour and there's a lot of clean guitar tones on the wall. So I wanted an amp that would do great clean and great overdrive. So I'm like, I don't think that an amp exists that does that. You Know and I I really didn't want to go the way of Eric Johnson with his, um, you know, three different stacks kind of hissing and buzzing away in the background. I thought this is so, anyway, um, I discovered a a company called Brunetti, uh, this Italian make. And the first thing I did, I plugged into this Brunetti Mercury, and instantly it was just the perfect clean tan. Nice, I'm like, wow, this is really nice because there's certain things. I'm not going to go into different amps and what I don't like about them, but this is just—it was just a beautiful, warm, sparkling clean tone. And then I switched on the overdrive, and it was just the best overdrive I've ever got from an amp. I'm like, how have they done this? This is just, this is just, what wizardry is this? How is this even possible? Um, So I've been using the Brunettes since. 2010 on everything that I've done Uh, because they're just uh, they're just incredible so 50 watt amp valves EL34s Um, I use two amps in stereo and um, two 4x12s with Celestian vintage 30s in them nice Uh, um, for the for the gear, again, I, I wasn't trying to copy, I, I wanted to copy the sounds, but not actually the gear that David was using. So I knew I'd use a decent delay pedal, obviously. So um I discovered this company called Strymon. So I ended up getting, you know, I think I had about five Strymon pedals on my board It was <laughs> towards the end, because um, they just make such great stuff. Absolutely. Um uh, what else? The full tone Deja vibe is nice. Um, got MXR Phase 90. Um, the special Van Halen 35th anniversary model because it sounds better. The stripes actually make it sound better. I don't know what it is, but. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I think that's. Pretty much it. I'd, um As I said, I didn't didn't get on with the Big Muff, so I ended up getting uh, a mini fuzz face. Cool. One of the Dunlop mini fuzz faces, which just sounds oh, it's wonderful. It's the the red Jimi Hendrix one, Band of Gypsies one, which sounds different from all the other fuzz faces, because um, I believe it was modelled on a an Octavia, but without the octave. All oh, right. Uh, so... Yeah, it's got very different sounds to to any of the other fuzz faces, and it just it just seemed to work with the setup I had. Um, and obviously, to make all this stuff work, I needed a, a, an amazing switching system. So I've got the the, uh, the Gig Rig G2 made by um, that wonderful person Daniel Steinhardt, um, who also made my uh, the pedal board I used for Steve as well. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen Wilson. I, I, I toured with him as well. No, I'm not. Um, there's some strange sounds going on here. Okay.
0: There was there was a there oh, was a car just going past there that uh, revved, revved oh, the crap out of... Oh, wow. You're probably hearing that.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was really weird. Um, yes. So um, in between the wall tour and the uh, us and them tour, I, I did a tour with... Uh, Stephen Wilson as well and we actually came to Australia um on that as well although I don't remember it because it was literally fly in play the show fly to the next one play fly play fly back again so I just don't remember a lot of that at all but um it was a lot of fun
0: touring can be a lot like that I I, it I did it
1: can be yes. yeah
0: cool. I, I can remember reading something about Brian May saying that when he first started it was such a whirlwind uh Tour that uh, he was asked about a particular city, and he said, "Yeah, the hotel room had nice curtains. That's about all he got to see." You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's very different with with Roger, um, because he cares so much about the show, he doesn't care about the expense. So we have a lot of time off in between shows. Nice, so that um, everyone can sort of rest up, and so there's a lot of time for sightseeing, etc. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, as I said I still can't believe the last uh, 15 years of my life really but uh, Yeah. It's it's the most comfortable you can be travelling, touring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I'm one of the biggest bands ever, so That's nice. That's
0: amazing. I, I, that's that's the ultimate that was almost always the ultimate goal for me in life was to see some of the world through just playing music and having that that paid holiday. Um yes. Yeah, yeah. And Living the dream, living the dream. There there you are in Mexico City. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite city that that you know that you're going to that you go, yes, we're going to blah, blah, blah? Oh,
1: there's lots in Europe. Um, Lots of beautiful cities. Um, I love going to Prague. Barcelona is lovely. Um, It's difficult to have a favorite because what happens is you tend to build these cities in your head, almost. You know, you think, okay, we'd like the, like the architecture of Prague, and we'd like the, um, some of the music history of Vienna, and we'd like to have maybe a big lake in the middle. and You're sort of designing this thing that doesn't actually exist, <laughs> if that makes any sense or yeah. Um I've actually been giving that a lot of thought, because um, I don't want to live in England, so I'm going to um, emigrate at some point, um, probably after the next tour. Uh, yep. But I'm not sure where we're going to end up yet.
0: Well, you've seen um, enough of the world to, to make a, an informed choice, that's for sure, huh? I,
1: yes, yes. I mean, Italy's amazing. I love Italy. It's just, um, you know, beautiful light, beautiful architecture, amazing history, just um, maybe Italy, maybe Greece. I don't know. Just somewhere that's not a tiny island in the middle of nowhere, that's just uh, decided to leave the EU for some inexplicable reason. We're not going to get into politics, but that's just... (laughs) (laughs) Why would anyone want to do that? It's so bizarre. And obviously it's it's a kiss of death for any English musicians that want to travel around Europe. Because now it's just 10 times more complicated. Mm. and also for European artists trying to, trying to visit England but it doesn't matter because you've got um, you've got a great uh, music scene in Australia you think so? I'd, yeah absolutely I remember seeing scene um, when I was in Perth for a while I went to this coffee shop and um, they were playing this band I think it was called Ocean Alley I don't know them um that was a great tune. I ended up buying the album. Um, There's a band called Pond. cool? Yeah, you've got... I mean, well, from the outside, it seems like you've got a pretty good um, music industry going at the moment.
0: It ain't what it used to be. It ain't what <laughs> it, it used anything. to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, like everywhere. I remember when I was a youngster, I live on a, a part of the Australia called the Gold Coast, which is just south of Brisbane. It's like big surfing beaches and the like. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. I've been there. You've been there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um Oh yeah. Yeah. I used to be able to play every weekend. You've frozen on me again. Oh no, you're back. Um, I used to be able to play a different venue every weekend and not play the same place twice for in six months and now there's just nowhere left to play wow. where you can actually crank it up and you said you're running two by 12 cabs you know I've I've got two sitting right there and it's not very often I get to, to crank those up um, mm. but in terms of music coming out of here yeah there's always always something good if you go looking I think that's a great thing with the internet is you can go looking for things that normally wouldn't be on the radio or so apparent in the mainstream these days
2: mm-hmm.
0: sure mmm I got somebody there asking about the strings you use. Ah. And I'm going to have to listen in because you've uh, frozen up. Hopefully, it'll come good.
1: They but, are uh, Daddarios. I use Daddarios on all my um, on all my guitars. An electric, acoustic, classical. Um, the ones I've got on most of my guitars are TENS. I believe it's EXL110, but I'm yeah. not, I wouldn't swear to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so no special coded strings or anything like
1: that? No, no. I'm kind of really old-fashioned. I like I like things to be as simple as possible. I mean, you can see that from the guitar. There's no there's no paint on it. Straight away, as soon as you start painting things and lacquering it, it just affects the tone. So it's just two pieces of wood that are screwed together, and I don't know. It just seems more organic, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have yeah, been using so, some yeah the, the coated elixirs for a little while now and get ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of life out of those but um, a little bit expensive compared to others right. so yeah
1: yeah I think it depends on your sweat as well because my I don't really sweat that much so you know my guitars at home they, they, they're they quite happy for a year or two with the same set of strings yep yep Um, I'll, ch- I'll change it more often if I'm touring obviously but yeah, uh, yeah. That's more for intonation purposes and you, know, you, don't, you don't want to risk breaking a string out there. Exactly. One of those uh, crazy Gilmore bands. So, yeah. Speaking
0: <laughs> of breaking strings, I'm going to get you to log out and yes. log back in again to get your, your, sure. um, your, your vision going. But I want to ask you about any monumental fuck ups that may have happened as you're playing. You know, like, yeah, solo, oh, broke, broke a string. Um, so I'll get you to log out, log back in, and and have a think if there's anything that springs to mind.
1: Oh, there definitely is. Hang on a sec. Okay. <laughs> I'll be
0: right back. As I say, folks, uh, this is the beauty of doing it live. Sometimes, you know, the internet connection isn't on our side, but I'm hoping that you persevere through. is isn't really affecting to those who are listening in on the podcast through the audio-only audio versions. But Dave is back, and he's moving. There he is. Yeah. All right. Tell us, sir, (laughs) about your monumental fuck-up.
1: Well, it it couldn't have happened at a worse gig, either. It was um, the uh, 12-12-12 concert, which was a benefit in New York at Madison Square Gardens for the victims of Hurricane Sandy. So on the bill, we have um, Paul McCartney, uh, The Who, The Rolling Stones... Um, Billy Joel, Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, Eric Clapton, etc. Wow, um, what a lineup. Playing. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing evening. Um Alicia Keys. I should mention Alicia Keys because she's got the same birthday as me. Um, although she's obviously not watching, but um, I just like throw that in there. You never um, know. Hi Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> so, um and we haven't uh, we've been asked to do this and we haven't done a gig for months, so it's like, okay, well, we, we had a rehearsal and it went okay. So, um, but Roger, being Roger, wants to get this done and out of the way as soon as possible. He doesn't want to be hanging around all night. So, we're second on the bill, it's right after Bruce Springsteen. So, what they've got is a circular stage, a revolving stage. And so, the, on the front half, there's Bruce Springsteen and he's performing. And we're set up on the other side. And, and so Bruce stops playing very much, off he goes. The starts turning to face the audience. And I can hear Billy Crystal talking. He's making his, doing his introductions and stuff. And at that point, I realise that I don't have my in-ears. Oh. And I don't have my pack and I'm looking out at this audience and I just get this cold sweat. I really don't do this. Uh, so I kind of call over one of the guys. Uh, I said, I haven't got my ears, I haven't got my pack. And he said, where is it? I said, it's in the dressing room, I'm an idiot. Uh, so they went running, running down to get it. They come back with my ears. I said, I haven't got my pack, I need it. I still need the pack. So went running off stage again, Billy Crystal's still talking, but I'm expecting any minute for them to go, (laughs) da-da, and I I won't know what's going on, because I haven't got a click in my ears. So I'm beginning to climb the walls here, and again, it's that similar feeling to the audition, except 20 times worse, because there's, I think it went out to something like 2 billion people. And um, so they came running. Yeah, I mean, at the time, that's what's that? a third of the population of the planet. Um, and I was I was a bit nervous anyway, <laughs> to be fair. So the guy finally comes up. He's got this pack. I plug it in. It's not working. I still can't hear anything. <laughs> so they run on. They've got another pack. Plug it in. Put it in my back pocket. Switch the volume on. Okay, I'm fine. So now I've got to try. I've got all this adrenaline, which is just... Crazy amount of adrenaline, and um, it felt like about five seconds later we started the song. I've no idea how long, but it was just one of those really scary moments. And I know I I heard it back. The first solo that I played, the first bend was just like so sharp because I just had all this adrenaline. I was like, you know, like, whoa! <laughs> it sounded awful. Um, but that, was you know, these, it, it could have been worse. It could have been much worse if they'd have started playing and I was just standing there like a lemon going, I don't know where I am. And not only that, but the, the brunettes that I use, they're so loud. So if I had started playing, I wouldn't have been able to hear anything else anyway. Yeah, right. So that was probably the worst experience. Although, it, you know, you look back on it, because obviously it was broadcast, and I, I look back, and I just, I just look like I'm on the beach, you know, just kind of calm. But yeah, inside I was just in pieces. That was just one of the worst experiences. Just so stupidly unprepared. Yeah, and it, but it could have been worse. It could have been much worse. And actually, the end solo was okay. We did um, comfortably numb at the end, and Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam came up and needed the, the, the vocals for that. So nice. Um, and I can watch that and it's like, yeah, that was a, that was a nice moment. And. Um, I got so drunk as soon as you got off stage. Oh, yes, you would, yes. <laughs> Let me just forget <laughs> about that. That was just, yes. Yeah. But um, no, it was fine. Nobody noticed, apparently. Apart from the rest of the band who were all in stitches. Wow. Uh, it was just me freaking out because I didn't have, a, I, I couldn't hear anything. But um, yes, not not to be repeated. Wow. That's, wow. that's the worst thing that's ever happened on stage, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. Not not what you need.
0: No, not in front of that many people, live. (laughs) So Dave, you mentioned your in-ears. What are you listening to when you're in-ears?
1: Yes. Um, Jazz FM, usually. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, We have... uh, We have... uh, Because everything is... um, to a click, everything synced up with the visuals, so I have a click in my ears. Uh, there's some vocal cues, um, which I kind of don't need, but I, I just leave them there because if you start removing them, then then you start freaking out that oh, wasn't was there a vocal cue for that before? So yeah, this is it's it's all on hard drive. Um, all the clicks and stuff are on hard drive. Um, cool. It's not the Thing to to have with the um, with in your ears because on the wall tour especially I was stood next to the drums and sometimes the drums would play slightly behind the click because that feels really nice. Yep. So I'm going uh, do a click or do I play with the drums? If I play with the click, I'm going to be ahead and that's just going to sound awful. Or do I just kind of go in the middle? So I'm still going to be ahead. Or do I, how do I get behind the drums with this click going in my my you know so yeah that was kind of an interesting learning experience just trying to get used to feeling the music and I I just ended up having the my ears so quiet everything on stage is so quiet um, and that just helped I think so I could actually hear acoustically the drums and I could feel acoustically the um, my amp sure yeah just hears st- like yep. in the background and I just sort of played to that so um, that you mentioned much, I mean everyone's got their own mixes everyone.
0: cool cool y- you mentioned vocal cues does that mean you've got like spoken word cues going on to let you know you know like verse two three four yes yep yep cool I've uh, experimented with sometimes, getting that together yeah, myself for,
1: um okay yeah, I mean, I don't. As I said, you don't need them, but I just ended up keeping them because yeah. you just get used to it. So, um, I mean, but, but things like the beginning of uh, Shine On, for example, um, where Snowy was playing the the classic riff, uh, there was a little cant that would come in just before that riff: two, three, down, 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 down. You know, just yep. just because so much of that show was is, is based on the visuals, so um, and it just it works it works incredibly well. Um, it's a little frustrating playing the click every night, <laughs> to be fair. But uh, you're just going kind to of get used to it. I just treat it like a, a studio session, I guess. Cool. So if
0: you've got uh, if you're playing to a click, are you, you know, are I'm you just... putting in program changes for your your? your pedal boards to, to automatically change in time or anything like that?
1: Uh, no, no, I did it all manually. I mean, I probably could have worked it out to, um, to run a, a MIDI sync to the, uh, to the hard drive to, to change all. The, but then I'm not going to have much else to do. <laughs> to be fair.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I kind of like having things to do, you know? Yeah. It keeps I d I kinda if if nothing's happening, if I'm not doing anything then I'm probably gonna start thinking about other stuff and that's when you make mistakes or you forget to come in on something. So yeah, if I've got stuff to do I'm happy really. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not like I can run around on stage like a lunatic like I used to with uh, with previous bands. So um yeah, it's like I I can do this. Although saying that it would have been handy to have that for the uh, when I played in the wheelchair for those night shifts <laughs> Yes. But I still had to do all my program changes with that. Uh, Yes, with my foot that still, uh, you know, that was the fractured ankle one. So.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh,
1: It's all, yeah, it's all I, fun and games.
0: I had a similar thing. You were talking about Perth earlier. Uh, I was playing in the Queen Show and I had a motorcycle yes. accident and messed up my foot. It was only very minor. Uh, and I went on tour the next day, <laughs> went over to Perth to do a run of shows. And I had to... I tried standing for some of it uh, and had a stool there, but trying to change patches. Luckily, playing the Brian May stuff, he just uses pretty much one sound all night and and rides the volume knob. So um, not too much tap dancing, but I can totally relate with having a bung foot and trying to change your patches. And that's no fun.
1: Yes. No fun.
0: (laughs) Now, Dave. No. No, Especially um, with uh, the – yeah, go on I was going to say, I I did a quick little search for you on YouTube and I was quite surprised to find some things of you um, shredding. I'm I'm sure that's not what you're known for in the Roger Waters group, but you're quite the shredder. And somebody in the the chat just mentioned before that – let me just go back here. Uh, If anybody hasn't heard Dave Kilminster play, listen to his cover – Of For the Love of God, it is incredible. So, uh, you've obviously got some chops. Uh, What type of players were you listening to
1: to to build up your your chops? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've always worked on technique because I want to kind of blow the kind of things that I would hear in my head are not typical kind of Chuck Berry kind of guitar riffs. So, you know, from as, as young as I can remember, I would I would work at classical pieces. Um, and then I got into this, um, I think it was called jazz rock at the time. They probably turn it as fusion nowadays, I'm not sure. But um, in the 70s, there was bands like uh, Bruford's. Um, UK with Alan Holdsworth, Colosseum 2 with Gary Moore, and a lot of that stuff was just... It was interesting, it was exciting, so that's kind of what got me into improving my technique in general. Um, But it probably wasn't until I went to see uh, Black Sabbath, and um, they had this American support band that I'd never heard of. Called Van Halen, and um, that really made me want to practice like a lot. I went out the next day, got the album, and just started trying to trying to work out what the hell was going on. Um, but it was a it was a kind of a gradual process. Um, later on, it was uh, Inve. I was in a music shop in. They used to have this great music shop in in London called Shades. And every time I went in there, they'd be playing something kind of new, exciting. Um, you know, I went down there one 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 afternoon and they were playing Racer X, you know, the band with Paul Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Um, next day I'd go down and they were playing Ingve Malmström's new, uh, his, his first album. So I just started working all this stuff out. I, I, I was intrigued by techniques because... I th- I thought the more techniques I had, the more I could actually play the music in my head. If that makes any s- any kind of sense. Yep. Yep. I didn't I didn't want to just do one thing. I didn't want to just do sweep picking or just do tapping or whatever. I w- I wanted to do everything, and yep. I I still do. Um, I still practice every day, and I still practice on different things. I'm I'm like a musical magpie. Um, I just kind of hear something and I like, I want to do that, how, does that, how, how do we do that? So um, I'll sit down and figure it out. And whatever it is, whether it's bottleneck, whether it's country playing, whether it's some bebop solo, it's just, um, to me it's just all music, so. Um, and I've got pretty good ears, so I can transcribe my things, so um, yeah, I just... Um, and also the other thing I used to do was to work, um, for example, if there was a a phrase that I was playing where I was starting on a downstroke, I'd say, Okay, well let's see if I can start on an upstroke. Because I figured you'd only be as good as your weakest stroke. Yep. So I'd started doing crazy things like that. Or, you know, if I was playing something with the first, second and third fingers, I'd swap them round and maybe second, third and fourth fingers. You know, it's just um I would, I would challenge myself. I challenge myself every day on, on, the, on the instrument. It's just, uh, it keeps me sane in a, in a weird way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I totally relate, mate. I, I get up and that's the yeah, first thing I so do I, I when guess, I have my um, morning coffee is pick up and have a bit of a, a practice. So it's nice to hear how other people practice.
1: Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, now, I, I, I don't really have any regime as such, but... Uh, it's all right, go on. I was gonna say there is we'll a question here again. from
0: Nigel Noons, okay, who says, yeah, actually you are starting to, to glitch out a bit on me again. Is it time for a, a quick log out and log in?
1: Sure. Let yeah,
0: me. yeah. Oh, look at that. Now you're seeing my webcam. It's two of me. It's two of me. Nigel, I'm getting to your question right now. Here is Dave. Here's Dave. That's better now. I can see you. Yay. <laughs> Nigel Noons says, Dave's Legato, yes. it's so much better when you're actually moving and I can see you there. Uh, Dave's Legato left hand facility is incredible. I'd really appreciate it if you could ask how Dave developed strength and finger independence slash timing with this with that technique.
1: Ooh. Hmm. That's a really good question. Um. my work, man, So I don't know if I could show you I could try. Hmm. What do you think about this. I was a huge Holdsworth fan. So, um I miss what you said I, I I was intrigued a huge Holdsworth fan.
0: Holdsworth, okay, yep.
1: Yes, so I was kind of intrigued by the possibilities of four notes on a string. So I basically worked it out mathematically that if you've got four notes on a string and you want to play them in in any kind of order, there's 24 different possibilities for four notes without repeating. So in other words, you could play... I guess I could do this. Um, So I try and play some kind of musical scale. I don't like, I have a pet hate against this, you know, this warm-up that um, a lot of people do. The uh, You know, that thing, it's just horrible. It's just, it's musically pointless. Nobody wants to hear you do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So what I would do is I would take a scale like... um, OK, so that would be 1, two, 3, 4. So then I would go 1, two, four, three. And it's just one hit, just one pick for each string. So the rest is rest is the letter. So once you do that, then you've got 1, 3, 2, 4. 1, 3, 4, 2. Uh, 1, 4, 2, 3. And 1, 4, 3, 2. So that's the first six, and then you get another six starting on the second finger. So then you go two, one, three, four. Wow. You know, it's it's a long. So once you've done the 24 variations with each finger, then that's your kind of warm up. You you warmed up and ready to go for any kind of legato things. Yeah, that you yeah, yeah. Say, you might come across. So yeah. that, that for me that was that was great, and it was also vaguely musical because you could kind of take ideas. And you can work out your own things. Um, I ended up liking um, that one, one, two, one, two, three, four. In fact, there's something B instead. I'm not sure how much you, of this you can hear, sorry. But, um, Just in the background,
0: but I'm getting the basic concept of what you're saying. Yeah.
1: And it's much better than going on. that, which is utterly pointless and non-musical and you, no one's going to pay you to play that. So.
0: Well, um, that's funny you should say that because that's usually the first thing I, I do to warm up and I've come to realise that... yes it's Yeah. Oh, that's, it? yeah. No. <laughs> one, two, three, no. four, one, two, three, four. <laughs> no. No. Don't do it. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: it's like... Uh doesn't it's non musical garbage yeah no no other musical instruments does that
0: yeah i do notice no. that when i try and throw in lines based around that everyone looks at me and the first thing they go is oh you quoted from Flood of the bumblebee <laughs> so yes. that's the first thing people yes. think of when you when you play a chromatic sure, passage yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah, and i mean, uh, I mean
1: there, there's other ways of doing it you could you know, if you want to do four notes on a string, there's there's kind of more musical ways. I guess you could take something like, um, let me see. Uh, um, okay, G7 arpeggio, and then just fill in the gaps with the rest of the fingers. That's quite nice. Because then you get, to, you get to exercise, you get to move your hand around. And yep. if someone happens to be playing a G7 chord, you've got, some, you've got some things that you can play that actually sound vaguely musical. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would do. I, I would highly recommend no one doing that exercise ever again, because it's just... I've been but told. I can't think of any musical instrument. There's violinists, saxophonists, piano players. Nobody does that kind of thing. Nobody mm. does kind of mm. shapes... Non-musical garbage, but that's because they've been around longer, I guess, and there's more. Sure, sure. More, um practice stuff, I guess. So yeah, so, yeah. So that's kind of how I worked out the. the as, that's how I developed the legato, anyway. I guess because once you do that exercise, then everything else after that is easy because you've done everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? yeah. That's a lot of combinations. So I'd, I'd get lost going. Oh, geez, where, where am I up to with that one? But uh, how about picks, Dave? Do you find uh, different style of picks, heavy, light picks, effects uh, when you go for more of a shred type of approach?
1: Um, I've been using this same pick um, forever, which is a two-millimeter Dunlop. Um, as you can see, it's actually uh, it's got my name on it. Nice. So, yeah, it makes me very happy. Um, I've been using these forever. They last forever. They're two mil um, Dunlop Tortex picks, um, so they there's really good grip on them, uh, and you could do you could kind of do anything on them really. They don't wear out very quickly at all. I've I've probably been using this one for about two years and still it's <laughs> nice. as good as new really. Yeah. I I tend to be I tend to pick very parallel to the string. I don't do the angle thing. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really like the sound, especially when you use a heavy pick. You can really hear it. It sounds like a a durable trying to get out of a cage or something. It's just got that scratchy thing, which is yeah. So uh, yeah, so the, the two mil Dunlop picks are fabulous. I used to use metal picks, which was oh cool really, as well. wow. Yeah, yeah, I kind of miss those actually. Um,
0: that'd give a nice little chirp to
1: the front end of the note yeah much like yeah, Brian exactly. May again
0: like because when you listen exactly. to Brian using the coin the start of every yeah. note is this choo-choo.
1: yeah oh it's a beautiful sound it's it's probably the most um, most recognizable guitar sound I would argue it's the most record, recognizable electric guitar sound ever mm. You can always tell yep. when it's Brian I, I can't think of anyone else that's uh, um, it's up there really, and he's so down on his playing. Just All the good ones are. Kind of, yeah, it just makes me want to shake him around. But just come on, man, you've you know the contribu- uh contributions to music are just immense. Yeah, it's the most uh, unique guitar sound ever. Um, I mean, you know, as I said, I'm a huge Green fan. The first five albums for me was. Uh, uh, it's kind of the blueprint for everything that I've done ever since, I guess. Wow. Um, yeah, because it was some um, people that have not really heard them, you know, they'll probably say, oh yeah, Radio Gaga and stuff like that. Like, no, <laughs> really, you need to come back. Yeah. You need to hear Queen 2, you need to hear Cheer Heart Attack, you need to hear Ogre Battle, you need to hear these prog epics, and you know, it was just uh, amazing stuff, really, really amazing.
0: Nice, nice. I've had a question coming up here, and you mentioned uh, playing acoustic guitars with with Roger. Any acoustic guitars that that you have a preference for?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I I have a um, two. <clears throat> excuse me. I have two Martins on tour with me, a six and a twelve string. Um. Don't spend a lot of time playing acoustic guitar anymore. Um, although I remember when Stephen, when I talked with Stephen Wilson, he had a really nice guitar, acoustic. They didn't give me one though, so I didn't use it. Um, I'm trying to think what the, what the name of the company was. Name. They had a really unusual um, tailpiece, where the six strings instead of being all in, in one place, they kind of fanned out. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they were really nice, but they felt nice. I t- I tried tried it in in once, and it just felt very comfortable and sounded great. Because I've I've done a solo acoustic shows before, and i, I, I it's, you know I know most people that do that they have so, sort of three pickups on their acoustics, and it's uh, you know. So if I do any more of that in the future, I'm probably going to have to. Uh, do some more investigating, really. Yeah. But the Martins are fine. The Martins are great. They they um they seem to um, get better with age, actually. Because when I bought them, they sounded they sounded okay. But the more the more you play, just um, I don't know whether it's the vibrations or um, but they they do get better.
0: I've heard theories about that with acoustic guitars that, uh, and electric guitars, that just the vibration of the strings somehow realigns the molecules <laughs> of in the wood and it just sounds better. I don't know what voodoo goes yeah. on there, but I've got a friend that's got no. a, a beautiful Taylor Koa big-bodied thing and I've had a bit of an acoustic guitar shootout here and that just has an extra octave of frequencies down low that no other guitar <laughs> has. Um, right. Not notes, but frequencies. People say, oh, yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, yes. And uh, he swears that's just getting better and better and more low end as time progresses. Mm-hmm. He's had that yeah. for a you know, good 10, 15 years. So um, there is something that goes on with them.
1: Yeah, I think I have my... Uh, Thanks. The the six strings and OM twenty eight, I did get a bigger one as well, but I don't know. I'm I'm quite small bodied, so you know, for the same reasons I like a Telecaster rather than a Strat, I tend to prefer the feel of a of a smaller body acoustic. So yeah, right. Um, yeah, you have the fingers of, of, a, of you have the part.
0: fingers of a tall man. I just as you were playing, you said you you're smaller <laughs> stature, but you have the the long skinny fingers, don't you?
2: Well.
1: I I guess. Uh, I've worked on my stretch, though. Um, I don't know if you can see this. You've actually, the vision's
0: frozen up on me, so I can't actually see you again. It might be time for a a reset (laughs) once again. Do you want to do a quick one, and then we'll just see if we can see that stretch? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Thanks for sticking in there, folks. This happens, but I'm still getting a lot out of it, so it seems the log out and log in Back in trick seems to oh here he is with vision uh-huh. yes that's better now now You're we can back. see that freaky freaky stretch
1: well it's not I wouldn't say it's freaky but again this was probably Alan holdsworth's fault me um, trying to play some of his crazy chords so um, I don't know if you can see on the on the left hand yeah it's a it's kind of a much bigger stretch than on the right hand. wow. <laughs> But that was just, you know, three years of um, trying to play uh, IOU tunes um, from one of the first uh, Alan Hosworth albums. It was just. Uh and it's so frustrating because the chords themselves, you know, you could get something like. Um <sighs> um
0: Wow, look kind of at notes. that.
1: Um, but on a piano, that's the easiest thing in the world because all the notes are really close together. Yeah. <laughs> but on guitar, obviously, because of the tuning, you have to do these ridiculous stretches. So, yeah. You know... I, I kind of gave up playing your stuff. It's too depressing.
0: I've never even <laughs> attempted it. You, you probably would have seen me off camera there. I, I was sitting there going... Doing the whole stretch thing and I did, I th- yes. that yeah. So I mean it's only slight with mine, You've but got a I know it's tiny bit, yeah. It's only yeah, yeah, I'll, just, yeah. I'll just go across there, so yeah. But yeah, sure. Wow. Yeah. I never noticed. I'm only yeah, that's it's only another centimetre or so, but I've never never tried that. And I guess yeah, yeah that would well, happen it
1: helps from when doing those status quo or whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have like a, a, exactly. a guilty pleasure of you know a band like status quo that's nice and not easy but that you like to, to play that isn't as challenging
1: for me it's acdc i right well of course of course um in fact when i was in freemantle i i went To visit the uh, the Bon Scott statue,
0: yes, uh,
1: yes. In fact, I got to meet him, I got to meet him and Angus um, many many years ago. Wow, uh, when, when ACDC played in Bristol, but um, yeah, it's actually ACDC tunes are just so much fun to play. You're completely right. I, I've played in various covers bands, and um, it's for me, it's it's uh. I get as much enjoyment playing you know smells like teen spirit as I would playing one of um, Paganini's caprices it's just to me it's exactly the same it's yeah, just, it's music and it's fun so um, but yeah I've, I've done a lot of covers <laughs> and there's
0: a certain attitude in some of that music that's that's hard to come across I, I say um, a guilty pleasure of something being easier to play, I guess I grew up playing the hard rock styles and Malcolm Young for me is a huge influence on my rhythm playing, which is let's face it 90% of the gig, but not everyone can do it. Not everybody can do it. Uh What, what I think is easy. I hear other guys, especially guys who play more jazz or country and they go, Oh yeah, ACDC. And i sit there listening go, Oh, the, the, the attitude's not there. Uh, it's, it'd be the same as me trying to fake, trying to play country music or jazz which i most definitely cannot Mm. uh and i was always down on that for a long time going man i hear these guys but then i realized they can't play that aussie pub rock style you know acdc etc the way i can so there's this certain uh attitude behind different styles that you have to grow up loving that music to appreciate those those nuances huh
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um I I am a rocker. It's I've you know, I've i tried playing lots of different styles. My first ever um solo album was on classical guitar. Actually. Really? But essentially I'm yeah. Essentially I'm just I just love rock music. So yep. I love hitting things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's it's not, not something that everyone can do. It's uh it's um it's definitely not an attitude. Um, in fact it reminds me of when I used to teach you probably don't know that as well, I used to teach many years ago. Um and, and uh this guy kept, this would have been early nineties and this uh student came in one day and he's just bought this Stevie Ray Vaughan signature model strap. I think it's just come out. Okay, so he's got the strap. He's he's got this fancy strap. He's got a cowboy hat, and he brings it into me for a private lesson one day. And he said, "Oh, I wanted you to have a look at this because I'm, you know, I think there's, uh, I think something wrong with it. It might be the pickups, but it's not really sounding like Stevie Ray." I'm like, okay, well. Let's have a look. So he plugs it in and he plays this. Just put it up there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Let me just try it. Yeah, I said yeah. I think it's the pickups. <laughs> 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 Just handed it back, it, and uh, I, yeah, I think he appreciated my sarcasm. But um, you know, you if, if you want to play rock, you have to hit it, and that's why I use tens, and that's why I use a two millimeter pick because I'm quite heavy-handed with with playing in general, because um, you you. You know, it's a physics thing. You get out what you put in, so... Um. yeah,
0: I definitely hear you on the heavier pick. Um, for years, I used Jim Dunlop riffs, so were called, uh, and there were these fluorescent green things that were maybe <laughs> nice. a point eight millimeter or something like, like that. I went for the bright green, because if I dropped that on a black stage, I, I could find it. Uh, and I got used to it. And then I was at Nam a few years back, and I was walking along, and I bumped into Andy James. Do you, do you know Andy, the English shred oh, yeah. shred guy? Yep. Yeah. And I stopped, and I was like, "Andy, man, you're one of the fastest, cleanest pickers I've ever heard in my life. That's amazing." And um, he's, he's looked at me. And goes, "I have a secret." And he pulled, put his hand in his pocket. He pulled out his new signature pick, and he gave me one of those. And it was. Two or three mil, no flex in it whatsoever. And I Mm -hmm. took that home and tried practicing with that. And then all of a sudden I was picking faster. And I realized that it's all about using a a heavier pick without the flex. And ever since then, I've been using these big, chunky chicken pick things. So I'll try and hold one up. If I hide my face, it might focus on it. I can try and get my face out of the shot. Focus. Focus. Focus!
1: Modern technology, isn't it wonderful? Anyway, you have to take my word for it. They're very big and (laughs) and chunky. yeah I, I really do think it makes a, a huge difference
0: oh the way oh. that the, the notes explode when i use one of these is just amazing and i had uh, bob spencer on about a year ago and bob plays for rose tattoo and another great aussie band the angels etc mm-hmm. and he brought up using exactly the same pick and just how it changed his whole tone and how it explodes and like you said about your pick, you've been using that same one for about two years now. That same here. I, I, I just don't wear these ones out as opposed to some of the other uh, thinner ones that I do one pick mm. scrape and it, it's gone. So, yeah, the heavy pick. But you said you don't yeah. worry about pick angle. Now, I had Troy Grady on. I'm not sure if you've seen the Cracking the Code series on YouTube before.
1: I'm, I'm aware of him, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And he's all yeah. about pick angle and how you know depending on how many string notes per string you're playing in a particular run dictates the angle that you have the pick on and all this kind of stuff and um, he's really broken Mm. that down
1: yes but it's not something you've thought about too much i (sighs) not to not to that extent um i've actually been working on the two things I've been working on most in the last six months probably are picking and uh, vibrato. So um but I I find that I can I can do things I think I saw some of Troy's stuff before and he said, Oh yeah and then and then you come across this thing and you can't do this upstroke here and I'm like, Well I can <laughs> <And> It seems <laughs> quite 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 natural. But uh, um you know as I said I've worked on I'm playing things back to front and upside down, and, and just um, so that whatever kind of picking sequence I come come across, I can kind of I can cope with it. Yep. Or my right hand can cope with it. Yep. So um, and I yeah I, I, t- I tend to keep it flat to the string, to parallel to the string, um, and I just yeah as I said I don't, I don't know if you've tried because you, some people pick with the side the edge of the pick. Um, and I don't know if you've tried that with a heavy pick but it just you get all this extra scraping noise which doesn't um doesn't help yeah right yep. um i don't know i don't know i like these this works it's, this does everything i want it to do i can still do um i can do funky stuff with it i can you know it works on classical it just it's just it's just the perfect pick for me so um yeah i've i i've tried to keep it straight and uh, the only thing I've been experimenting with recently is, is kind of trying to pick from the wrist just to see if that makes much difference because I tend to pick from the forearm um, the jury's still out I'm sitting I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know you know what it's like learning guitar it's just an endless journey
0: never ending never ending the more it's one of those things the more yeah. you learn the more you realize what you don't know uh, and, and that yes, goes back exactly. to what you're saying about Brian May being down on his own playing. I guess it's because he yeah. the more he learns, the more he realizes that what he doesn't know. Is there, there certain things that you wish you you had a better grasp on? Is there things you you wish you had a better grasp on when it comes to playing? Like what don't you like about your own playing? Uh,
1: um. Oh Wow. What am I like? I wish I'd have spent more time playing rhythm when I was younger. Yep. Um, Because there's certain players that play and they just have a groove about every single thing that they do. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I don't feel like I have that. And it's not, um, you know, it's actually on my list of things to work (laughs) on. Just generally getting a better, I mean especially when I used to do the acoustic um, solo acoustic shows you know it's just you it's just the guitar and you have to keep time and and as well as add all the harmonic interest and sing and um, that's one of the things I love about Tommy Emanuel when he plays because that's just ridiculous uh, but he's got such a great groove about his, his acoustic playing. It, it just makes you want to dance. There's a, there's a lot of other guys that do the fancy tapping and slapping and, and stuff, but I usually find the timing is just a little, a little wayward. But with yep. Tommy, it's just, well, just rock solid. So um, if there's something I'd like to improve on, it's probably that right now. Um, but I don't get to do it, and, and most people don't practice that kind of thing. People don't practice rhythm. You you spent 95% of your life on the stage playing rhythm, and you spent like less than 1% actually practicing it. It's just kind of weird.
0: Yep. You know, I I know of some guys who absolutely run rings around me when it comes to their, their trick bag, as I'd like to say, you know, just all the flashy stuff, but then. When it comes down to just playing the rest of the song, there's just something missing because they haven't put much time into that. They've just put all the time into getting that shred mm. thing together. So it is very overlooked.
1: Yeah. 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 You seem to have frozen up on yeah, me t- again. Timing is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Let me hang up. Hang on. Okay. Do, do, do.
0: Do, do, do. we come up with a bit of a system. It only takes 10 seconds and he's back when I can see him moving. Let's see there he is there he was there he is got him back
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm back hello yes yes yeah uh, it's, it's weird actually I, I was uh, I remember when I was recording uh, guitar tracks for my album that I'm still working on and the hardest one that I had to do was this I, I wrote this reggae track I don't know why but I just came up with this reggae tr- track which I love and that was probably the hardest one to play, to to get it just to groove because it's yeah. all about consistency. It's all about getting the, the right place in the in the bar to hit these little da da da. You know, you don't want them on the beat. You want it maybe slightly behind the beat, but you want it consistently behind the beat. And if it's a kind of a slow tune, it's it's a nightmare to try and just make that groove. So. Um yeah. If if I if I had my time again I would I would work on rhythm more as a kid. Yep. Yep. I it's not that I can't do it it's just it's not as natural as I would like it to be in my playing. Yeah, right. So. Yep. Um. So, Dave, you mentioned Tommy Emmanuel before.
0: Mm. And um actually when I did have a bit of a, a look around online I saw that you won a, a guitar competition uh, years ago, I I won one myself recently, uh, not recently, years ago on the Gold Coast here. And a year later, I had to have a photo shoot with Tommy Emmanuel, And Tommy yeah. opens up his guitar case and hands me his guitar and goes, have a play. And I just looked at him and I was like, I'm not fucking playing anything in front of Tommy Emmanuel. I just cannot play that fingerstyle guitar at all. What am I going to do? Yo? Some re- rehearsed arpeggio mm. Shred thing on On an acoustic guitar And I felt Quite silly Have you ever had to play In front of anybody That you've just gone Oh my god I'm playing in front of Blah blah blah
1: Um, I've played in front of Tommy Emanuel Which is Very scary It is isn't it said. Yeah Um, There was a, Yes There was a time uh, A few years ago uh, I was playing with Guthrie Govan, who I, oh, I guess you must know. Yep. Um, and we used to go to Italy a lot to do um, to do these shows. It was a four piece. He played stuff from his album and you know some fusion classics or whatever. So anyway, we end up we end up this tour somewhere, and the next night there's a there's a show with Tommy Emmanuel. So both Guthrie and I decide we're going to stay on and watch the show. Now, around right about this time, there's a volcano that goes <laughs> off in Italy. And the support band that was going to show up, didn't turn up, because all the flights were cancelled. So Guthrie and I, I must confess, that we would play a support set for, for time. With... Just the two electric, and we'd do some of the tracks we played um, on the tour. And he loved us. And so we came back a couple of months later with two acoustics, and um, we did a sport for him. And at the end of, of every show, he'd, he'd get us back on. And so the three of us would just play... Um, oh, what's that... I can't remember the name of the tune. It was a tune by John McLaughlin, Aldi Merlin, and de Lucia, off, probably off Friday night in San Francisco. Um, so we sort of jam around with, with stuff like that. And I'm sat in the middle and there's Tommy Emmanuel, who's probably the best acoustic guitarist ever Absolutely. on one side, and there's Guthrie Govan, who's probably the, the greatest guitar, electric guitarist ever on the other side, and I'm just in the middle going, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I here? Am I just, I'm just going to play chords, I'm happy, you know, but, um, yeah, that was kind of scary, really. Um, I'm trying to think of some, I I know I've been with with Roger, sometimes I'll be in the office and I'll be reading off the guest list for that night, and it's like, oh yeah, Jack Nicholson's coming tonight, and I'm like, I don't want to know, I don't want to know (laughs) who's in the audience. Yeah, right, Yes. It just freaks me out.
0: Better off not knowing or seeing yeah, them, huh?
1: Yeah, I, d- I don't. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I can't think of... Yeah, I think the Clampton came to a gig. In fact, I, probably the worst one. I know the v- yes, I know the very worst one. In yep. fact It was on the Wall Tour. It would have been about 2012. And um, David Gilmore had agreed to come along. And play comfortably numb, so, but the night before he came along to watch the show, so David Gilmore was in the audience, and of course, I'm stood there playing all his stuff, I'm thinking wow this is this is kind of surreal, you know this is uh, um, but apparently he enjoyed the show, and then he came came the next night and he he made his special surprise guest appearance. Uh-huh. He's always been really nice to me, so... Um, nice. Yeah, he's a lovely chap.
0: Nice. And did he use your gear when yeah. he did the guest?
1: No, God, no. No, no, he brought his special strap, his, um, the Jimi Hendrix guitar strap, that I think his wife brought him. Um, and he... No, he had all his rig with him, all the, all the stuff. I think he had two guitar techs, in fact, with him. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was the bit... it um, on the water, tour, I don't know if you saw it, but for comfortably numb solo, I had to stand on top of the wall, which is about 40 feet up in the air on cool. this, the wobbly platform, which is just oh, it's not cool, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it was just really hate It was just this wobbly platform that was kind of a um, like a cherry picker type thing. So, um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't fun at all. I was always happy when I played the last note. Cherry pick would slowly do that and I was like oh, okay, back to Earth. Um but yeah, so David got up and, and did that as well on the on the on the left. And um I think he hated it actually. He really didn't enjoy going up there. It's it's um I don't know what it is, it's just something I like to be on terra firma when I'm playing. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big fan of heights. Um but uh yeah, so that was that was probably the the one where I felt a little nervous. I could tell with the crew as well. The crew before the show, where, when David was watching, they were all sort of, "You right, Dave? Yeah, it's fine. Just check in just to make sure I was okay." You know. But, um,
0: I was wondering yeah, with, if if you fun. ever had to play in front of Dave. So um, yeah, now you answered yes. that question. Wow yes. that 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 would be very daunting. That would be very daunting. Just like. I'm playing these iconic solos. I've no idea if he and liked And there he him, is.
1: I've, I've... Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether he liked it. I've no idea. We, we're from a different background. You know, as I said, I'm a rocker, so I tend to play things a bit more, a bit heavier. I tend to hit things a bit harder, and he's more from the, the blue side of things, I guess. So I don't know how much he appreciated it, but... Uh, he was very kind to me after so.
0: <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Folks, yeah. I'm yeah. going to go through some of the questions. So if you've got any questions that you want to ask Dave, now's the time to drop them in the chat room. Uh, have I already answered the ones? Okay, somebody was asking about whether you've tried the Frank Gambali tuning. Now, I've had Frank on and I didn't know he tuned any differently. Do you know anything about that?
1: Um, I thought it was standard as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he plays a lot of fourths, you know, sweet picking. But uh, yeah, there, I had there is a um, kind of a fourth tuning, which, um, in fact, your guest Tom Quayle, to, uh, Tom Quayle, on the yeah. other day, yep. yes, he, he uses that fourth fourth tuning. Yeah, we went into great and, detail. Um, I'm wondering Alex whether Hutchins, I believe, as well.
0: Yep, I'm just wondering whether yeah. they they might have had them confused. Yeah. As, far as I know.
1: Right, maybe. I I, yes, I've no idea. I haven't heard anything from Frank since. Ooh, Truth in Shredding. Yeah, right. Which was a compilation album when he played some tracks with uh, with Alan. Um, Yes, no idea. Yeah,
0: no. I've had I've (laughs) had Frank on, and I don't recall him saying anything about an alternate tuning. So. um, And I actually put a little.
1: I know I was just going to say I did I mean, my last album that I did, um, which was called "The Truth," I came up with a a, diff- a completely different tuning, and I wrote all the songs in that tuning um, so that was that was kind of fun i It was my idea to try and um approach the guitar like a like a, a kid again that didn't actually know how to play so that I would just use my ears. So I just came up with this bizarre tuning, uh, which was something like, God, I can't remember, C, G, D, G, A, D, I think it was, from low to high. And I just wrote, it was kind of fun, because I didn't, you know, I found this tuning, I didn't know how to play, I couldn't play, you know, I couldn't play a D chord. I had no idea, I couldn't play a major scale, but, I'd start moving my fingers around, and I come up with.
2: This thing.
1: I just found it so inspiring. So I wrote the whole album based around that. Um, nice. tuning. Yeah. So I've kind of messed around with tunings a bit, but not. Uh, I've never, I've never tried the fourth string.
0: Hmm. Mm. It does open up a whole new sound, doesn't it, when you you tune the guitar a bit different, and and you're putting mm. your fingers in places where normally you would know what it sounds like to go there, but you discover some very nice, yes. happy accidents, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Mm, mm. I, re- I remember spending ages when I was a kid working out the Rain Song by Led Zeppelin. And um, I thought, God, this guy's a genius. Because I was, I was working out in standard tuning and it was really, really difficult. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you find out is in some, you know, in an open tuning and you can play it with two fingers. It's like, oh, okay, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 um, life's too short, unfortunately. I'd love to try all this stuff, but uh, yeah, if if you ever get bored, ultimate um, tuning is definitely a, a good thing to do to to write stuff. The, the only problem is if I go out and try and play any of that stuff live now, I'm going to need like three guitars at least to uh, you know. And I did, I didn't try soloing in that tuning either. I kind of got to it a little bit, but it's still. I'd struggle with standard tuning, to be honest. So,
0: So, speaking of multiple guitars, how many guitars do you take out on the road with you?
1: Um, I've got the two acoustics, as I said, six-string and a 12-string. We need the 12-string for Welcome to the Machine because that's just really cool. Um, There's a weird tuning for dogs, so I need a special guitar for that. And maybe two other electrics... That are both standards. Um, just in case I have a problem with one, and I can swap it over. Really, so um, yeah, say so five electrics and two acoustics for the last tour. Yeah, um, the wall tour was was uh, was even more because um, I had to play bass um and high strung guitar as well for the beginning of Hey You. Um, which is like um, Nashville Tuning.
0: So like but the um, higher strings off a 12-string? Yes, is,
1: yep. exactly. Yep. Exactly that, yeah. Yeah. That's um, an that's, interesting that's thing. To you. Okay. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I've used yeah, that, that before was, for uh, overdubs when I've been recording. I used to have a, a guitar just in Nashville Tuning. That's what they call it, isn't it? Nashville yes. Tuning? Yep. And, yes, I think it is, yeah. And just adding that extra guitar was... Um, Like a 12-string kicking in, but it wasn't a 12-string. It just added that extra layer. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I've no idea how many I had on the wall tours. Maybe, maybe, but uh, there's a lot of stuff to do.
0: Speaking of the wall wall tour, uh, WS says, Dave, how was it to play the series of shows in Ziggo Dome? I was at the first night, and I wonder what it was like for you. The last time was... Last time was arena with the wall, I think. Did you catch catch all that? <laughs> How
1: was it? How was it to play I the did. series of shows at Zigo um, Dome? Um, do you recall playing the Zigo Dome? I do, I do, because uh, we recorded our um, we recorded the um, the wall live. I think that was recorded there. Okay. Or a lot, at least a lot of the visuals were recorded there.
0: Mate, while your picture's good, mm-hmm. show show us your, that great little uh, microphone stand you're using right now again.
1: Oh, this is so sad. I'm so sorry. Um,
0: it's a wall shoe box. <laughs> that
1: is cool. Wall shoe box. <laughs> because I don't have a mic stand. This is very sad. Um... I do recall that, it was, It was. Uh, I mean, it's always stressful recording a live show. Um, we actually did one show where there was no audience at all, and we just played as if there was an audience, but oh, cool. there were cameramen on, yep. actually on stage, so they could kind of get the close-ups. So yeah, I do remember it very clearly. Um, the only problem with, uh, with the in-ears especially is, it's almost like you're in your own little world. So... You know, people say, oh, "What does it sound like in this venue or that venue?" Everything sounds the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Because everything's close mic'd and everything goes into mic in ears. Yeah. And it really doesn't um, doesn't change that much from from one venue to another.
0: And do you have um, microphones picking up uh, the crowd ambience being fed into your in ears as well?
1: No. No. So that's no. pretty I mean, they, pretty they dry did, then. It is very dry, and I, I kind of prefer it like that. Um, I was a bit annoyed, actually, when I saw the, uh, the video for Us and Them, um, and I heard my acoustic guitar sound for uh, Wish You Were Here. Now, live, it's, um, I, I have it completely dry, but you're in arena with 30,000 people, and it sounds gorgeous, and you can hear every single... Every single note, but it's just got this beautiful reverb, and of course I, I, I watched the film, and it's just it's just the d i sound, and it sounds awful. Ah, oh. like, oh, thanks, guys. Um, you know they, there was audience mics, but I guess they just didn't use that much of them. In fact, I didn't really hear any of them. yeah, it just you know um which was kind of a shame, really.
0: so you're adding um, ambience to your monitors that isn't
1: going through front of house no i just i just have it so quiet that i can hear it you know in in quiet places like uh quiet passages like the the beginning of uh, wish you were here i can i hear it in the room and it's just gorgeous you know I, I don't like i i don't add lots of delays or i don't think i use any reverb at all on on any of the, the electric guitar sounds because you're playing in a giant hanger. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So what's what's the point, you know? So I just, I like just hearing the, the, the natural sound in the room. So I, I keep my electric guitars and the acoustics just as dry as possible. And, you know, the room adds the, uh, the ambience. Nice. Um, that seems to work anyway. I, you know, I, I've heard some guitarists and they're using delay on stage and then you delay and then it goes into this huge cavernous reverb I, I, I can see your fingers moving I can't hear, yeah. I can't hear what you're playing so yeah. I just try and keep it as, as loud and straight and as possible you know
0: somebody wants to know what the favourite venue you've ever played at is Do you, does anything spring to mind
1: Ooh. the Albert Hall sprung to mind immediately although nice. I've never actually played that with Roger but um, I played that with Stephen a couple of times. Um, that's a beautiful venue. Um, I guess I love the old-fashioned ones. You know, it's just um, well, there's um, a lot of history in a place like the the, route, the Albert Hall. Insane, but yes, yeah, I'd, I loved playing in the Albert Hall with Stephen. Um, with Roger, probably my favourite would have been Wembley Stadium. Um, we played Wembley Stadium on on the world tour. Um, I mean, it's partly the history, partly my a lot of my family were there, and I felt like it was a really good night. Um, nice. So I, I have sort of really nice memories of that. Um, I mean, in general, I prefer smaller venues just so you can actually see the audience, though, because uh, you know some of these big shows. We we played here in Mexico um, a few years ago in, in Zócalo Square, and there was um I forget how many people there were. Um, something like three quarters of a million people here or something. And you're just looking out and it feels so surreal. Yeah, disconnected, yeah? Yeah, completely. I mean, it was lovely, you know, but I'm standing on top of this wall and I'm looking out and I'm seeing all the lights and stuff and it kind of fades into the, the sky with the stars and it's just, it feels very, very surreal. But you know, you play a, a venue in front of two or three hundred people, and you can actually see them, and you can feel feel the energy. It's kind of fun. so. A lot of the shows that I played with Stephen Stephen Wilson were were kind of more like that. That was a lot of fun.
0: So, um, you've mentioned Stephen Wilson a few times. Um, is he yeah. a, a known artist in in the UK? I, I
1: don't know him myself. Yes. Is it? Yep. yep. <laughs> Okay. Um yes he is. Yeah, he's he used to be in a band called Porcupine Tree. Okay, okay, yep. Um, and in fact I think Porcupine Tree was essentially his band and then he decided that he wanted to branch out and do his own solo stuff. So Sure. Um and it's amazing music, actually. The um the album I can't believe I'm plugging Steven. He doesn't plug me, but I plug him on <laughs> Um, <laughs> the album that he recorded a few years ago with actually Guthrie playing guitar, uh, Michael Miniman I'm on drums, um, it's called the Raven, the Raven that refused to sing, and it's probably, well, it's definitely one of my favourite albums of the last twenty years, um, and that was that was actually before I joined, so I kind of. Um, Guthrie and Marco left to do their aristocrat uh, I went to replace and um, it was just such fun to play play his material his, his, I love his music um, nice again it's kind of it's a little heavier so or at least the music at the time was heavier he's, he's kind of kind of a little more pop mainstream recently but um, I don't know he's just got such a huge um, backlog, backlog. Sorry, back catalogue of uh, of incredible albums, incredible tunes. So, um, yeah, he's he's definitely worth checking out if you haven't, um, which you obviously haven't. So. No, no, I'll, <laughs> I have
0: to I have to check it check him out. Um, I have heard of Porcupine Tree. I knew you know that they yeah. were a, a big deal, um, but again, I haven't heard right. them. But um, some new music that I can check out. Now, Dave, I would I've,
1: recommend it definitely.
0: There is a question here. I'm not sure what they're referring yes. to. Maybe you might know. How did you feel in Brazil? It was a very embarrassing situation, I think.
1: Ah. <laughs> Do you know
0: what? Now, that, that's, a, that's a South American. I know American, exactly what that's about, yes. That's a, a very South American yes. name. Uh, by the, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but they may be from Brazil themselves. So is that something you want to uh, share with us?
1: I'm happy to um, Roger is um, what's what's a good way of putting this involved in politics okay and, um, so and he makes his opinions known throughout the shows that we play and in Brazil um, They were just coming up to the elections and um, without getting too deeply into it um, Roger put this thing up on the screen just saying you really don't want to vote for this guy and half the audience cheered and half of them booed, Um, someone threw a glass of ice at me, hit (laughs) my foot, Um, there was fights breaking out in the stadium And um, in fact, people were still fighting as we were leaving. I believe I didn't actually see any of this because I didn't have my glasses on. I've got good close vision, but sort of further out, it becomes a bit of a blur. So, um, yeah, it was. uh, I don't know. I mean, Roger's always been sort of outspoken politically with his with his views. So. And some places it goes down great and some places we get booed and he doesn't really care because he's just going to be Roger and do his thing, so, (laughs) yes. Um, So, you know, I'd I'd, I'd still love, I'm still more than happy to go back and play in Brazil, obviously. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you stop playing places where you don't believe, when, where you don't actually agree with the politicians, then um, I'd probably be left with a a weekend residency at the Galapagos Islands or something. Because, <laughs> <you> know, <it's, laughs> this world is is completely messed up right now. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's no reason to be embarrassed. I, I know it's not the people. Um, it you yeah, know. Politics gets mentioned and then people get angry. Um, for me personally, I'd rather just go out and play music and make people happy because that's, that's what makes me happy. Yep. So, um, but it's a Roger Waters show so obviously he, he can do exactly what he wants. He to can do whatever he wants. Does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not, sh- he can. I'm not sure whether we're welcome back in Turkey either. Oh, <gasps> I think they got up. Um, I think the Turkish authorities got quite upset with us at one point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't on the last European tour. So um, I don't know. I ha- I haven't asked. I don't ask these things. So I I stay out of. Uh, I stay out of politics as much as possible. Except when I'm on Twitter sometimes, but you can ignore that. It's just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dave, um, after think all these I don't years, i really
1: got involved because of uh, yes.
0: After yes. all these years, how's your hearing? Have you got experienced go any uh, hearing loss?
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> sorry, uh, not at all. No. I, from a very early age, I decided that I didn't like the sound of loud electric guitars and loud cymbals when I was rehearsing. Um, probably because at the time I was... I, was uh, I had this transistor amp. In fact, I remember the song. We used to play Sin City by ACDC. That was one of the tunes we used to play. And I'm trying to play these big chords and through this transistor amp and it was just taking my, taking my head off. So I ended up using earplugs from from when I was a teenager. So I've, I've used earplugs ever since. Um, yep. I use them for gigs, I use them on a plane sometimes. Um, I did have my hearing checked for the first time. Uh, The last time I had some in-ears made. And um, she said, wow, you've you've got the hearing of a teenager. Wow. Lost any kind of high-end whatsoever, which is uh, amazing. But as I say, for for the, the in ears on stage, I, I have the volume on, you know, two maybe. Yeah. It's just I, I probably if I'm if I'm in the gym, I usually have my iPod louder than, than it is on stage, to be honest, because <laughs> it's just I find it easier to um, to uh. To concentrate, to keep calm. Yep. Um, you know, because sometimes you walk on stage and there's thirty thousand people and they're all going absolutely crazy. And um, you know you can you can let that adrenaline affect you like that messes up your timing and whatever. So I kind of have the volume really quiet. and I walk on stage and I just play, and it's yeah, this is cool. Yeah, this is all good. I've always yeah, I've always looked after my hearing. Basically, it's just a, um, it it seems pointless I, to 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 um, to damage that. I, and yet, so many people I've played with. I mean, Roger's hearing is. Um, Slightly impaired. Um, I used to play with uh, Keith Emerson, from Emerson, Lake and Palmer, yep. as well. And he told me in my heyday, he used to tour. He he used to have nine Leslie's on stage. Wow. I don't know if you can imagine that. I mean, I've stood next to one Leslie, and that is more than enough. So, um, yeah. So. One day when we were playing on stage, I made the mistake of walking in front of his monitor, and it almost knocked me over. It was so loud, but his his hearing was just um, was just unfortunately damaged. So, but I guess that's what happens with the from the older generation. They just to play loud before um, mm-hmm. they really decent PA's. So, uh, yeah, but I've I've I'm kind of I wouldn't say I was I'm obsessed with it, but I do carry earplugs with me all the time. Even in cinemas sometimes, it gets a bit laid out with the yep. earplugs yep. It's really sad.
0: Yep. I'm the same, <laughs> man. I, I take earplugs with me everywhere. I'm so aware of the damage I've done, and it was at a very young age. I've probably worn earplugs right. since my late teens, early 20s, but the damage was already done, playing in rock bands sure. and cymbals. And I know my left ear, I can pinpoint it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particular band, we used to rehearse four nights a week, in a small little shed drummer was right here um can't see my right here <laughs> uh and yeah i now if i'm mixing i do a bit of mixing work and production and when if i'm mixing at whisper quiet levels i'm listening through the the ringing in my ears particularly this one and yeah, uh, yeah it's not getting any better yeah. and and i've worn the plugs for a long time but damage was already done so it's, it's a hazard sure. you, it sounds like you got onto it at a uh, yeah, early enough age.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just used to. Uh, I, I use the same ones as I as I use. Um, yellow generally, <laughs> and you sort of roll them up and put them in your ear. They're great. Yeah, but um, obviously the DNs ears because they're specially moulded to your ears. They they act like earplugs as well. They're amazing. Yep. In fact, I have them somewhere. Yeah, especially
0: molded to my weird shape ears. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I I have worn the custom molded plugs for a while. Although I just did get some cheaper triple flange kind of things, generic ones which seem to do quite well. Um mm. this the, the soft squishy ones that you're talking about that that can be a bit off putting trying to play in those live.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like those. Um, I've I just dug them out because the, I, I like the the hard plastic ones. They kind of work better for me. Um, yep. Those ones they made and I never used one on tour. But I kind of just I use them for when I'm working out. I'm working out sort of five times a week at the moment, and uh, so that's why they're kind of there by my by my bag ready to go to the gym tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh and they say' I'm fine, but I just yeah they they kind of you know when when you get start sweating, you can kind of hear the hear the plug kind of moving, oh okay, yeah, as you're as you're moving on this, yeah, it's it's weird, it's weird, I don't like them, but I'm just using them because they're there, and I don't like wasting stuff, so <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Dave, is there anything you're currently uh, working on, any educational stuff that you're peddling online or anything that we should direct people
1: towards? No. No. I I, I spent 13 years, I think, um, teaching at various colleges, Guitar Institute, Academy of Contemporary Music, writing for transcriptions, for guitar techniques um doing instructional videos um did a tv series um i th- no I, d- I don't feel the need to do any more instructional stuff and i kind of i want to use the time that i've got left to do my own music yep um it's kind of weird but most of my life i've spent playing other people's stuff yeah i don't get paid to to um to, to play my music which is a kind of a shame really yeah yeah so um, so I've been working hard on this on the new album which will be out shortly before the next tour um, with Roger which starts I believe starts in June next year in America nice so I'll get my album out a couple of weeks before then and um, hopefully it'll be I don't know I feel like this is the best thing I've ever done um you know, I still feel like my singing's getting better. I like my is getting better. My writing's getting better. So, um, who knows? You know, I'm, I'm really happy with what I've uh, what what I've recorded so far. Though, um, nice. I just have the vocals left to do now. Um, so yeah, I don't want to waste time helping other people. I've already helped. Yeah, guitarists. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. It comes a time okay. you have got to start. Yeah, yeah, looking after yourself and getting your own music out there. So when you are recording um, the stuff yeah, that, you, yeah, that you're working that. on, are you um, using any modelling yes. technology, or are you miking up your your, your rigs?
1: Um, I'm miking up. I'm, I'm going old school. Yep. Um, it's I, just something I think about most it. of the recording. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the modelling stuff is getting better for sure. Yep. But it it was. I don't think it allowed for. Replace the sound of a relamp in, in a studio with a mic on it. There's just some, some uh, symbiotic relationship. I think, you know, I, I, most of the time I'll be in, actually in the live room with, next to the amp because that's where you're supposed to be if you're recording. Yeah, that's the way they used to do it. Yep. You know, or just sitting sitting in the control room. I mean, I've, I've, I did that. A bit for the last album, just because it was easier to kind of, because I was doing some experimenting with the pedals, and all the pedals were in the control room, and the amp was in the live room, so it just it was easier. But um, I still had the, the monitors cranked, so you could still feel feel the guitar. Mm. Yeah, I've tr- I've tried the stuff, and it's just there's something something missing. I yeah, I'm not keen on digital stuff in general. Yeah, it's, it's analog or, or else really.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in Australia in particular, um, there was a, the CEO of a, a particular big amp company uh, in Europe was asking me why it is that Australia is their worst market. And I tried to explain to them that it's mostly fly gigs here now because it's such a big... Uh, geographically sure, that the, yeah, the, it's yeah. so big in between the, the capitals that you, you you're best off flying so everyone's using modelers now and and i'm really noticing it when i go to a concert and someone's playing through a modelers and that's just coming up through their wedges i'm not getting that on stage sound anymore and, and it, i've had several guests on who uh i've seen live and they're telling me oh man yeah it's all, it's all modeling for, for me now it's undetectable the experience for the, that, that guy who wants to stand down the front and hear the stage sound just isn't there anymore with those guys. But I guess you're very blessed that yeah. you have a crew that you could specify as big a rig as you wanted, I guess. And they'd cut it around for you and set it up.
1: Yeah. that That is very nice that we, do, we just turn up and all my stuff's already set up. But um, I would do the same um, even if I didn't have the crew um there's just something about having a real amp with real tubes on stage. Mm. I mean, maybe maybe people will shoot me down for this. I don't know. I, I'm just old school. What can I say? I used to tour. Uh, when I first started playing um, professionally, I just had one amp, one guitar pedal, and um, a and guitar, and that was pretty much it. And I was happy.
0: Yep. You know,
1: um, and I'd, I even went through the... Uh, Getting a, a rack system together. I got an ADA MP one. I got the um, Alessi, Quadriverb sorry, quadroverb and this Marshall power amp. And
0: that's a really popular combination. That's exactly what I had. I still yeah, got it. My old ADA. There's an ADA sitting up here. Yeah. If people could see that. Um, and oh, I had ADA yeah, yep. yeah. And actually, there's a Quadriverb underneath it there as well. So. Um, that was my right, yes. rig all okay. through the late 80s, early, uh, through the 90s. Um, that's what I was using. And at the time, yeah. man, I thought they were great. And I've had several guests see that over my shoulder and go, hey, that's exactly the rig I, I had back in the day. It was all about the MP1 right. and a quadriverb, huh? Yes.
1: Yeah, and I just remember taking it. was a huge case, huge flight case, really heavy. And I remember I had this Sunday lunchtime gig at a pub somewhere and I thought, I just cannot be bothered to take all that rack stuff. I'm just going to take my old 50 watt Marshall head, just a cabinet and a pedal and it was like, oh my God, this is, I've missed this so much. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. of a sudden the guitar's in the same room as you. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the problem with, with those for me. It sounded like the, route, the, the amp was next door almost. Um Yeah. And I've tried, I, I did a, a gig with a modeling amp once, and it was, it was a 100 watt combo, and I had it cranked full up. And the sound guy came up to me afterwards, he said, oh, I just want to thank you for, um, for keeping the volume down on stage. You know, it was, it was really, you know, I'm thinking that was 100 watt, allegedly, flat out. You know, I would have much rather 30 watt ac30 because that would have just blown blown it to pieces you know yeah so uh, yeah i've, I've kind of tried and it doesn't it, for me it doesn't work you know, uh. dave can Although i get
0: you to do that, the can i get you to do the log yep. out and log back in again mate you, you've frozen on me again but
1: let's do that right now yep
0: sure i will internet, entertain the masses in the meantime He should be back. There he is. Ta-da! There you are. Yes, that's better.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I can go for a little while with it when it freezes on you, but then after a while, it's like, yeah, it's time to do that thing again.
1: No, no, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's usually okay here. I mean, we can watch
0: films here, but um,
1: clearly, this is taking up more space.
0: I'm. I'm not sure whether. It like the the internet is notoriously bad in Australia as well, so um, it okay. could be it could be that. Um, Tom Quayle was a bit the same the other day. I might run some tests and just make sure that it's it's not my end of things. But um, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave, I want to say thank you for your time, man. It's been great having a bit oh. of a chat to you. My pleasure. Uh, thank thank
2: you. Yeah, thank you.
0: yeah. I I, I I try and make it as easy as I can on people. <laughs> But yeah. uh mate I if if you're coming back to Australia I'm I'm definitely going to come along and, and see um Roger Waters if if that ever happens again covid permitting that's been a real damper of things
1: yes yes I know this is the third time I think we've had to reschedule is this next tour and um I don't know I mean, I'm not even convinced it's going to happen next year to be honest at the moment America's sort of um a bit of a mess uh, so who knows? Who knows. Yeah, and Roger's, uh, Roger's going to be pushing eighty by the time he finishes the next tour. I think so. You know. Wow! Wow! Um, I mean, he he still loves it. he's still got tons of energy. But um, I don't know. I think if I was his age, I just I just want to sit on the beach. To be fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As you would. <laughs> maybe. You know? With yeah, a, maybe a career a that. In Australia. I all play. Well. I live in the probably the best beaches in Australia, right here on the Gold Coast. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome, Dave. I want to you're, thank you for your you're time. Very man. Lucky. I am very lucky, <laughs> and I'm very lucky that I get to wake up and have my morning coffees, um, having a chat to people like you. Um, I- I'm going to be honest with you. I- I'm trying to round up because I need to go and pee again, <laughs> but I could keep talking to you. Are
1: you? Are you? No, it's 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 fine. I think my my yeah, girlfriend's got a bit crazy because sure, sure. Yet, so. Uh, Awesome. She wants to get into the kitchen next door and start yep. cooking stuff. Yeah, and the internet's <laughs> come
0: come really good uh, as luck would have it. Just as I'm trying to round oh, things up. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. course. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So but the yeah, a little thank you uh, so much for asking. Yeah. The applause button that I have on here, people seem to be enjoying that at the moment because they can't get out on the road and it, they they like to hear a bit of. <laughs> So uh, th- maybe that will warm the cockles oh. of your soul to to hear that that kind of clapping, yes. yeah. Folks, thanks for tuning in again, and yes. I mean, uh, yes, thank you so much to Dave for his time. Uh, it's been nice chatting to you, mate. And I'm going to hit my magic button that rounds it's everything up. Talking to you too. So, folks, thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. Hitting the button now. Bam.